This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. It's an October edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. We welcome everyone in to another uh, hour of educational information, J-Doc, and I think that's the best way to describe what we do every week uh, with the Labor and Energy Show. We have two great guests that are going to join uh, J-Doc. We'll tell you about our guest in a moment. A reminder that um, you can download this episode of the Labor and Energy Show and also all of our previous episodes on Apple or Spotify. Just search the Labor and Energy Show. J-Doc, how are you? So we're, we're great, you. Oh, Fantastic. Lots to talk about. Uh, two, I guess, you, like you mentioned, two great guests, Mike Butler, the Executive Director of Mid-Atlantic Consumer Energy Alliance, and Dr. Trevor uh, Smith, who's the Chief Research Officer at WPA Intelligence. And so let me just say this. We've talked about uh, electric vehicle mandates um, several times in the past. And well, what you're going to hear here, we're going to be talking about the Virginia situation and the Delaware situation, okay? And uh, this this is spreading like wildfire, and there's reasons why people have to take it damn serious. First of all, we, we love electric vehicles. It's awesome. Um, you know, if, if you can afford an electric vehicle, uh, you know, and you, and, you, and you want to drive one, please, we totally endorse that. However, these are called uh, electric vehicle mandates. A little bit different with when you put mandates on the end of it, okay? Which means that certain states are mandating that by, for example, 2035, you'll only be able to buy an electric vehicle in their state. Now, let me just say something about this because it, it, we have to make people understand why they're so devastating. First of all, they take the choice out of the public's hands regarding the purchase of their vehicles, okay? We don't have the projected infrastructure to support the mandates is related to the EV charging stations, uh, the carports, okay? Even as we, obviously we don't have them now, but even as we project them 
um, is as far away as 2035. The infrastructure is not projected to be there. Right now, it poses a major threat to our power grid, okay? It will cost jobs to American people. The mandates, yes, right now, a mandate that is supposed to take place in 2035, which, by the way, they wean them down, starting at specific points, some states as early as, uh, you know, 2024. Okay, the refineries who refine the fuels for gas-powered cars will close. Jobs will go down with them. Uh, EVs are currently very expensive, and we don't anticipate them going backwards. So by the time the mandates get here, these are luxury cars. Uh, Automakers are losing thousands on every EV they make right now. Really importantly, China owns almost the entire supply chain regarding the manufacturing of the uh, electric vehicles, the critical minerals for electric vehicle mandates, I mean, uh, electric vehicle batteries are being mined in the Congo using slave labor. We had Siddharth Kara on the program. Um, it's questionable that EVs are even more environmentally sound than gas-fueled cars. And and that's good. that's a debate that's, you know, going to be moving forward. But either way, again, that's not a reason not to buy it. Uh, an EV. We're talking about the mandates. And you'll see that the general public has no idea what EV mandates are. Okay, so, uh, and and the final thing we're going to talk about is people who live in states that adopt the California rule, okay, automatically go into uh, the EV mandates. We're going to talk about all that today, Joe. This list goes down, uh, you know, dozens past that, but we don't have the time right now, but we got two great guests that are going to talk about it. You know where I stand on it, J-Doc? Jobs, jobs, jobs. It's insanity uh, to have a mandate. I can't put it in more of a more simpler, you know, a more simpler term uh, than that. We stand against mandates. Get rid of all mandates. You want to buy an electric car? Great. Go do it. But well, when you're going you're gonna to mandate me to buy it? I'm against, I'm against that for the, just for the position of everything that you outlined, plus common sense, common yeah. sense, common sense. And, and, and the funny thing is, so, by the way, Delaware and New Jersey are opting into the California rule. And we're going to talk about that California rule uh, when we bring Mike Butler on the program. But fact of the matter is, is that and, and we've had individuals, uh, Jim Appleton, who's the, the, the president of uh, New Jersey Car, represents the auto dealers, they're up in arms and in a panic because they know that people are going to just go to other states. Okay, so there's so many areas we're going to talk about. Uh, it, you know, let people make their own choice. Listen, I don't sacrifice jobs for the environment. We all care about the environment. But you mentioned it, Joe, common sense and working together is what it's all about, not uh, you know, putting in a, a mandate on something that we don't even have the infrastructure for now. And our estimates and forecasts say we won't even come close to it. Uh, and they're unnecessary. So we got a lot to talk about. Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. We'll get to our first commercial break. On the other side, J-Doc will welcome in Mike Butler, the executive director of the Mid-Atlantic Consumer Energy Alliance. 
Back in a moment. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEG, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Buying a car is a big decision. Makes, models, colors, cost. But soon enough, the government is going to make that decision for you. Delaware and New Jersey are on a collision course to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars. In 2035, you'll have no choice but to buy an electric vehicle in those states. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Doc and Krause on the Jacob Media Network. Uh, we've got a great guest, uh, Mike Butler, uh, who was the executive director of Mid-Atlantic Consumer Energy Alliance. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me today. It, well, it, it's our pleasure, uh, and 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 uh, you know, certainly, you know, we've had your organization on the show before. Uh, I believe your your colleague Chris Venture, who was the Midwest Executive Director back at the beginning of July. But if you could just remind our listeners a little bit about what Consumer Energy Alliance is, and then talk about what your role is in the organization. Yes, thank you. Uh, the Consumer Energy Alliance, uh, we're the voice of the energy consumer. We're a national organization. Uh, headquartered in Texas. Uh, I'm cover the Mid-Atlantic, so I live in Pittsburgh, and I cover Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey, Delaware. And um, in short, this goes down to a bumper sticker. Uh, we're about affordability and reliability for consumers, and most importantly, we're for jobs. So anytime there's a legislative or administrative uh, proposal uh, about energy, we weigh in and say, hey, what is this going to do for those three factors? What is it going to mean for reliability? What will it mean for affordability? What will it mean for jobs? And to make sure that everyone has all the information available so they can make clear decisions and understand the consequences of those decisions. Mike, we, we've covered this topic many times, okay? And, and it's why I, when we opened up the broadcast, and I don't know if you had a chance to hear it, but um, we talked about the impact that the electric vehicle mandates uh, you know, ha- will have, and are having, uh, you know, even just a conversation, um, you know, has impact. Okay. Um, but remind our, 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 our and, and, and we know what's going on in, in, in Delaware. Okay. Um, remind our audience of what the Delaware governor, John Carney and his administration are trying to do with the, with, with the, with the gas power car ban. Yeah. Well, essentially they're trying to get the entire state onto electric vehicles. They have very aggressive, mandate that's an important word to talk about it's a mandate not a goal not an aspiration but a mandate 
and that by the year 2035, which is really not that far far away, that all new uh, vehicle sales will be electric vehicles. In fact, by 2027, they uh, have, a, have a goal to get it to 43%, um, but uh, we, we'll get more into those numbers of, of how unrealistic those are. Uh, but that, in short order, is what it's all about. It is a mandate that is going to um, ban uh, the cars as we know it. And having said that, talk about the, the, the California rule that Delaware, New Jersey, we just had the, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the policymakers from, from New Jersey on the, on the program, John Versicelli, uh, who opposes the, the, the mandates. Uh, and, and he is typically a supporter of the governor. Uh, but in this case, he, he's, he's, he's opposed these mandates. Uh, and, you know, we talked about that. Um, to, uh, to talk about what the California rule is and the fact that uh, a ton of states are, are, are opting into this thing. Yeah, in California, it's the same type of thing, a, a mandate uh, to, to move toward uh, off the internal combustion engine into electric vehicles. And given the size of California, you know, it's a zone country, but the sixth largest economy in the world, uh, when California moves, a number of other states feel they need to follow it. Uh, particularly uh, blue states, uh, California becomes a trendsetter uh, and a, a um, you know a guiding light for others to think they need to uh, replicate it. But um, we're already seeing real consequences of that. Um, you know, by the the move to electrical ve- electric vehicles, you have other actors in the economy that have to respond to that. Uh, we may want to talk about this, but the Marathon Oil Refinery that shut down, 375 union workers lost their jobs. That was a direct response to an EV mandate uh, because the rest of the economy is responding to where they think uh, the governor is taking them. And, you know, we have a refinery in Delaware City and it could be on the chopping block in the same manner. It's interesting because um, when we had Jim Appleton on, who, who was the president of New Jersey Car, represents the auto uh, dealers in, in New Jersey, uh, all kinds of concerns, obviously. Um, but... The fact is, is that you're taking the choice out of people. Now, I, let me just state that we, I, I say this and I'm not, I'm dead serious about it. You know, as much as, you know, we, we represent the labor community and all that, we don't ever talk about sacrificing our environment for, you know, for jobs, our planet. Okay. Of course. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, that's a given. Okay. But Joe Krause said something interesting and, and, and we hear it all day long and our energy education and awareness initiative is all about this and that is common sense and energy okay and so there's a million reasons why the bands um are are, you know impacting people as we speak okay and we talk about this because we we're uh, we're broadcasting we're out from where we're at in pennsylvania between delaware and new jersey who opted into the california rule um so if we don't do something about it now and educate people and let them understand that why they got and get engaged uh, it could be a major problem in so many different areas. You mentioned uh, that it, it is required to, in, in Delaware to reach 43% of new EV sales by 2027. When we talked to Jim Bertuccelli or Jim Appleton, he, he flat out said to us, people will just go to other states to buy their automobiles. They're taking the, the choice off of them, and they're going to get educated at that point. Where do we bring on Dr. Trevor Smith in, in the next segment? He's one of the, the nation's leading pollsters, okay? And he'll talk to, about what people think about, uh, you know, these mandates and a lot that they don't know and that they didn't know. 
what, when the, what, what their opinions are when they finally find out. So the information you and I are talking about right now, probably, uh, you know, the majority of Delawareans don't even know about them. So you mentioned 43 percent of new EV sales by 2027, which is right around the corner. A, how will that happen? And B, are we even ready for that? Uh, well, uh, let me be very uh, clear. Uh, no, it will not happen. And uh, I'll tell you a very simple number why. Currently, it's 3.75%, 3.75% of new sales. We're not going from 3.75 to 43 in four years. I mean, if if it um, if it increased by 50% a year, we'd be at 7.5%. Nowhere near. I mean, it's not even. We're not even on the fringe of that number. So it's it, it's completely unrealistic. Um, it, it's just it, really at this point, I, I would consider it a ludicrous uh, target to try to reach. It, you know, and, and I'm being a little sarcastic when I say they're going to have the mandate police. You know, knowing when your when your lease is up, or yeah. you know, well, that's a that's a great question. How do you make a mandate real uh, when the numbers are this far away? And again, given where Delaware is situated, it's very easy to just zip over the border to Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and why wouldn't you when the EV is fifteen thousand dollars more than the average car? It's, and and you know, again, I know you want to get into this. I'm not jumping ahead too much, but where are you going to charge your car? <laughs> There's only 167 public charging stations for a state with over 800,000 licensed drivers. So it's not just the matter of how many cars can we sell in a, in a time frame. It's how are we going to realistically have that fleet powered in a way that we're accustomed to and in a way that's affordable. The cars are more expensive. The charging ports are more expensive. Building out that infrastructure, the consumers are going to bear that cost. So it's there are just so many factors that, again, I'm, I, I, it's all very well-intentioned to be concerned and conscious about our environmental goals. Uh, but the United States already leads the world in emissions reduction, um, and we're on the cutting edge of of the new technologies. I mean, we are going to be the ones that are blazing the trail ahead of a, a new and more vibrant uh, planet. But these mandates are just uh, backwards. They're they're the cart before the horse, and we're nowhere near. Um, we're just nowhere near being able to pull it off. It's again, it's not even. It, it's so far apart. I, I don't even know how it's, you know, the ink is still on the paper is, well, on these policies is kind of outlandish. No question about it. And, you know, the the, the trickle effect, okay, with, with, uh, with loss of jobs, uh, taxes, you know, the tax base and all those situations that we can't even think about, okay, uh, or talk about, you know, in, in a one-hour broadcast. Um, we'd be going on so long, but we're going to – this is – just the tip of the iceberg on this. But, you know, when you talk about, you mentioned the chargers, okay, and, and the carports, okay, which take 20 minutes to an hour to charge. Now, I'm just going to paint a picture. And, again, we're not discouraging um, electric vehicles from coming into the markets, okay? By the way, one of the great conversations that uh, we talked about with, with Jim Appleton was, was um, hybrid cars, okay? You know, you have the option to do both, okay? And I forget, uh, Joe Krauss would remind me, but he said uh, it's, a, it's a case where good is the enemy of perfect or something like that is what he said when we talked about the different options. Um, but could you imagine how long, the, remember, I, 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 the, I do remember this, and I know I'm dating myself a little bit, but uh, the lines, the gas lines in the 70s when, that, when the gas crisis was, going on okay uh, or when the colonial pipeline went offline imagine that it takes 20 minutes to an hour to charge your vehicle okay 
Now, you mentioned we have 800,000 licensed drivers in, in the state of Delaware. Okay. Is that a realistic picture we're talking about here? Well, that, that's a great example you brought up because, again, you know, think of how quickly you can, you can fill up your tank compared to charging the car. But it creates a whole other dynamic um, that uh, because, you know, in the, in the 1970s gas shortage, it was only affecting really, you know, the transportation sector. But if you have all these cars plugged into a grid, not only do you have the backlog of getting cars charged in a timely manner, but you put all this other stress of all your other electricity needs. Yeah, the grid, right? I mean, exactly. So it's just uh, it, it can it can get very easily see a scenario where it's even more cumbersome and difficult and maddening than it was in the 1970s. Well, what's interesting is, and in, in, in this conversation, I'm not a big fan of fear tactics or anything like that. I believe that we're going to, you know, our technology is going to improve, and you know, some of these statistics will will change. Uh, but there's a lot of areas where we're, we're headed for devastation. Okay, and what's scary about it is we have to touch the fire to find out. Okay, common sense is not prevailing. Okay, and uh, people need to pay attention to this issue. Okay, because there are so many areas uh, where there are pitfalls. Now, let's talk about that affordability uh, situation. Okay, Um, can everybody afford to buy a new EV? Well, if it was today or even 2027. Mandates don't aren't complete, you know. Supposed to be total until uh, 2035. But we've all seen the, uh, you know, uh, the statistics with uh, with the CEOs. Um, you know, their pay increases while the working people's uh, pay since 1978. I don't have the stats here, but I'm not sure that, um, you know, wages are going to go up so high. Uh, that right now the the uh, the average uh, EV costs around 60k. So I'm I'm going to take a shot at this, and they're not going to stay at 60k. Okay, talk about that affordability, uh, you know, factor when it comes to, you know, regular people. The average, uh, you know, what 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 does the average Delawarean? What's their average salary, and and where's this thing going uh, by 2035? Yeah, the per capita income in Delaware is just a little over thirty-eight thousand. And again, as you mentioned, EVs are currently sixty thousand. Um, so those two numbers don't jive well together. Um, to your point, I'm, I'm sure as technology improves and uh, production ramps up, that the prices of EVs will come down over time. Um, but you know, that doesn't necessarily bode too well for workers who have their prices aren't rising or wages aren't rising that fast. So you would have to come down very dramatically. At a pace that doesn't seem practical uh, to make it affordable to the to the everyday family. And, and Mike, let me let me say now. I want to just remind our listeners: um, you're, you're listening to the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Dot and Kraus. Our guest is Mike Butler, Executive Director, Mid Atlantic Consumer Energy Alliance. Okay, our conversation is electric vehicle mandates. Okay, the word mandate, like Mike said at the beginning of the, uh, of the segment, you got to pay attention to that word. Now, one of the things I I, I, I find interesting, Mike, is that you know, you and I both agree technology will improve. Some of the things that we're worried about will probably be remedied. There are so many concerns. Okay, but what ends up happening is, you you know, we end up, the narrative, you know, requires us to say, okay, well, technology will get better and all these things. But it doesn't allow our traditional energy industry to, to the same leeway. So, like you mentioned, 
um, you know, America leads the world in, uh, in, in emissions reduction, okay? And a lot of our traditional energy uh, companies, including our, our, our refineries and, uh, you know, across the board in every area of traditional energy, uh, have great solutions, okay, to a lot of our energy problems, okay? We don't give them the same um, leeway as we do uh, when we're talking about these mandates. Oh, it'll work out. Oh, it'll do this. Why are we not working together with everybody to create common sense solutions? By the way, our traditional energy uh, industry is, uh, you know, one of the most, you know, robust industries in the world. We certainly, uh, you know, should be utilizing, you know, their resources and working together. Having said that, uh, you mentioned consumer demand. Okay, why why aren't we just allowing um, you you know Mother Nature to take course and and allow EVs to come into the market based on consumer demand? Yeah, the, the, you raise a number of great points there, and that's um, you know our report. And you can you know everything we're talking about, you can go online at consumerenergyalliance.org and and read our report for Delaware and for the nation uh, called Freedom to Fuel, um, because the market often does. Uh, get us where you want to go. Again, you may not get there by the same year that the policymakers would kind of pluck out of thin air, but it can get you there. And for the reasons you laid out is, you know, the technology and the, and the competitiveness of the market really creates opportunities for people um, to innovate. And we've seen that time and time again in our industry. And again, we have the most productive workforce in the world by far. You put American ingenuity with our workforce together, um, we can get there. And there are breakthroughs happening in the traditional energy spaces um, that are revolutionizing the world uh, with carbon and capture and sequestration, for example, hydrogen um, technologies. There'll be hydrogen hubs that the Biden administration is supporting uh, that will, and particularly in our, in our region where natural gas, you'll have blue hydrogen, uh, much cleaner, uh, much more dramatic and, and what can meet our, our energy and electricity needs. Uh, so those things are happening, and, and they're happening because, again, we, we want to be environmental, good environmental stewards. Um, but the way to do that is, is through the market, uh, through ingenuity, through our workforce, and not through uh, government mandates. And so we're going to kind of spitfire a little here because we only have about <clears throat> six minutes left in the broadcast. But um, how, would the, how would the car ban impact Delaware's only refinery in Delaware City? Well, that's uh, deeply concerning because, again, I, I kind of mentioned, just alluded to it earlier, but we had it play out in California. It was 375 union jobs, Marathon Oil Refinery. Um, a year after that refinery closed, 25% of those workers are still out of work. And of those that did find new jobs, 24% lower salary than they were making. Uh, those are devastating numbers to me. And again, there's no need for it. Uh, you know, it's getting, it's getting the cart before the horse. These workers should not be sacrificing their, their, their jobs uh, for, again, mandates that are kind of picked out of thin air as to why we have to do it by 2035 as opposed to, again, as you said, when Mother Nature takes its course, we'll be there. Um, but for these families to lose those jobs or come in with wages that dramatically lower than they were, we, we just can't afford to have that happen. Yeah, and people who think right. the transition into renewable jobs and no one's no one's against the renewables coming into the market, they're coming and they're, and and uh, you know and and that's a fact. But the, you know we've had Sean Steffi on the program, uh, who's business uh, agent up at uh, uh, Boilermakers Local One Fifty Four, okay, and he, he went to a renewable job fair and and the jobs that you know see talk about the transition. If somebody was talking about that, 
$16 an hour. And I, I always sarcastically say, I love a job where you got to be on public assistance. Okay? Right. We'll work 40 hours a week. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about energy security. Okay. Uh, how will it impact our region's energy security on a broader scale? Uh, what about na- on a national our national security? Okay, and are politicians in the state aware that, that the entire supply chain of these cars is currently controlled by China? Okay, I mean, it's like being in the twilight zone. Right. I mean, in the we spent decades getting ourselves off of a situation where we were dependent on OPEC oil cartel, and now we are deliberately putting ourselves dependent on the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, it's it's insanity. I mean, it does again. We are an an energy superpower. The United States of America is an energy superpower. This region of the country, you know, close to the Marcel Shale, an energy superpower. The fact that we're going to deprive ourselves of this deliberately, intentionally, is is mind boggling. And um, you know, our policymakers have an obligation to be aware. If they're not, I mean, that's not an excuse. I mean, if you're going to make these policies, you better be aware of all the very foreseeable consequences. And again, as you said, renewables are an important part of an all of the above energy strategy. An all of the above energy strategy is best for consumers, it's best for workers, it's best for our national security. Um, but that being said, we have to take into account that uh, the way supply chains are, where critical minerals are controlled, th- that's China. And that is not changing the foreseeable future. So to jeopardize ourselves, again, for 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 misplaced mandates is is it's just very hard to rationalize why we're doing this shooting shoot ourselves in the foot we should be working together okay and doing everything we possibly can okay to utilize every resource in all of our energy communities renewable community traditional energy labor our political leaders uh and and that's why it's so important right now to understand listen you know, you talk about the Chinese uh, Communist Party. I don't care if it's, um, you know, Spain, for crying out loud. We're, we're sacrificing everything, let alone to, to potentially our sworn enemy, um, you know, and, and shutting ourselves down, like, unbelievably, okay? And then, by the way, we still need, but we're still going to need, so after the refineries are gone and all of our traditional energy resources, uh, you know, due to these mandates, large port, like you said, Plenty of uh, refineries have closed. We're still going to need the, the, the refineries, so we're going to be importing these fuels from from these uh, you know foreign countries. It's, it's that's not going to stop. No, so, we, we had that a few years ago in in, in Boston. They were importing uh, oil from Russia. Uh, just again, again, you can't get a pipeline from Pennsylvania to New England, so we have to get it from Russia. I mean, explain to me how that makes any sense. How's that? How's that better for the environment? And it's definitely not better for American workers. No, no question about it, Mike. And one last question, because uh, we only got a, a less than a minute left. You think this is a, a blueprint, or the, at least the first steps in a nationwide push uh, to, can, uh, get, to ban gas-powered cars and, and, and mandate EVs? Yes, this is the tip of the iceberg. They're going to get more aggressive, but that's why it's up to to us to, to educate your listeners and for them to educate their their state representatives, their governor to say, hey, we don't want this. Uh, we need to think about this in a more thoughtful manner, a more practical manner, and, and let's 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 ease up here and, and and get ourselves on a more rational approach. Mike, real quick, what can Delawareans do? Okay, and you just sort of touched on it, but what can they do to voice their opinions on this? After they, have to, they have to make themselves heard. Uh, they have to get themselves educated. And again, the, this is still there's still time to turn this around, and there 
Local elected officials are the best course of action um, to get to their attention fast and say, this is not what we want. And I know you're going to talk to the pollster, and he's going to share some light of how we, we know this is not what they want, and we know it's not practical. So they've got to engage with their lawmakers and get this turned around. Good conversation with Mike Butler, the executive director of the Mid-Atlantic Consumer Energy Alliance. Uh, we'll pause. JDoc coming up on the other side. We'll have go one-on-one -on -one with Dr. Trevor Smith. A reminder uh, to download the Labor and Energy Show from where you consume your podcast on Apple or Spotify. You can listen to all of today's show, or you can educate yourself by listening to one of our many shows. We are now in year two of the Labor and Energy Show, and we continue to educate the public. JDoc will be back with us on the other side. What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the international brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. Today's program is pre-recorded. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the Labor Union Community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. Welcome back to the Labor and Energy Show on the Jacob Media Network. Uh, we want to thank uh, Mike Butler, uh, for being our guest in, in, in our first segment. Mike was the executive, is the executive director of Mid-Atlantic Consumer Energy Alliance. And I'm extremely uh, excited about our, our, our upcoming uh, segment with Dr. Trevor uh, K. Smith, Chief Research Officer, WPA Intelligence. Dr. Smith, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Joe? Nice to meet you. Our pleasure's mine, and we really appreciate your time. I want to kind of set this up for a second. By the way, uh, Dr. Smith is uh, one of America's most highly regarded uh, pollsters, uh, and 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 so we bring his expertise into this conversation. Uh, but I want to set this up, okay? Uh, so the issue uh, in, in 2021, former uh, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam passed legislation requiring the Commonwealth of Virginia to become a California state, according to Section 177 of the Clean Air Act. Because of this law, Virginia is required to adopt. California's electric vehicle mandates, as well as California's even more recent and aggressive bans on the sales of new gasoline and diesel vehicles. Okay, the, the current governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, 
has made a repeal of this law uh, his priority in, 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 you know, for his administration. But in his last legislative session, his re repeal bill was defeated by a single vote in the Senate committee. So without the repeal, California's EV mandate will begin taking effect in January 2024. And the California's ban will begin phasing in the, in the years after that uh, until the full ban of sales uh, uh, of, of new gasoline and diesel vehicles is reached in 2035. Okay, uh, Dr. Smith, if you will, just briefly, I'll tell our listeners a little bit about um, what WPA intelligence, uh, you know, is, what the organization is, and a little bit about what your role is there. Yeah, sure. So we're a, we're a, a, a political polling firm. So we, we work for a lot of campaigns and candidates. Uh, in this case, we didn't. Um, it was a completely different organization um, trying to help people get elected uh, to public office. Um, we do a lot of polling and analytics, um, combine them. I think we're one of the few firms that actually does both of them and combines them. Uh, my role is um, I work with clients around the country, um, and I and I, I still help um, our staff uh, try to learn how to do everything right. So, well, um, and, and and having said that, uh, and we kind of you know we set it we set up the situation. Uh, it, it, tell us a little bit about the polling you conducted recently in Virginia, um, and and where Commonwealth uh, residents stand on the issue of banning the sales of new gasoline and diesel vehicles. Yeah, sure. Um, so we fielded a, a survey in late August for an organization called the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers. Uh, they were just trying to get a sense of where constituents were on this issue and their awareness of it. And so was I, quite frankly. I hadn't known prior to talking with them um, that Virginia had decided to go the way that, to, to go the way of California uh, and ban gas-powered vehicles in a few years. Now, I'll tell you, uh, once constituents became aware of what happened in the survey, and and I, I try to approach all my surveys without any bias, is I think a lot of uh, a lot of people, a lot of poll, pollsters, uh, quote unquote, <laughs> do get do that to get the results they want, and there may be and they and there are many ways that they do it. Um, so I just explained what the 2021 law was uh, and, and asked if they were aware of it. And I, after I explained the law in the survey, and again, without any bias, almost two thirds of Virginians in, uh, in these districts oppose it um, with the majority 54% strongly opposing it. Um, and I, I forgot to mention, uh, I, I conducted the surveys uh, in competitive, uh, in what, what people think are the most competitive state Senate districts, seven of them. Um, and it, the, these were not Republican strongholds uh, where you would expect really strong opposition to be high. Uh, no, the client was curious about the issue in some of the more competitive Senate districts in the state. So let's talk about awareness, okay? Um, I wonder how many people, if I walked down the street right now, knocked on all my neighbor's doors, okay, how many would know what an electric vehicle is but say, 98%, okay? There might be somebody hiding under a rock on a desert island, but other than that, uh, but if I threw the word mandates, okay, and I live, I'm in Pennsylvania, okay, Philadelphia, okay? Great city. Thank you very much. Hope Phillies and Eagles. I know that, that could we could lose some visitors quickly on that, on the other side of the state or, or, or up the East Coast. But anyway, um, you throw the word mandate on that, and and let's talk about you know what you you know uh, incurred in 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 Virginia. Um, how many people 
when you've posed that question and also throw on there the different methods of research that you actually talk to the people. But how many people actually knew what it was on a percentage basis? Yeah, so awareness is extremely low um, in these seven state Senate districts. And um, yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to talk about some polls later uh, nationally, but um, awareness of electric vehicles is really high, right? But not not the not the mandate stuff. So oftentimes, when you ask a question like this, like "Are you aware of it?" Um, respondents who don't want to sound ill-informed, uh, they'll say they'll, a lot of them will say, "Yeah, yeah, I've heard a bit about it." So that some of that that goes into like uh, somewhat heard of, um, but the real number here is how many Virginians in these districts heard a lot about the issue, which is only nine percent. So there's that just means that there's like no one keenly aware of it. Um, so there's a lot of work to do to educate the public, um, you know, in, in this in the upcoming uh, elections in Virginia. Um, and then, uh, you know, as as the mandates uh, take effect over these next few years, uh, Virginians won't be able to purchase new gasoline or diesel cars or trucks. It's going to be it's going to be tough. OK, so and the methods that you, you know, you you you, you did the polling in. Yeah, so um, we did uh, what's known as probability proportion to size sampling. Um, we take people's turnout um, scores. So, so say I was doing a survey in Pennsylvania with you in, in Philadelphia. Um, everybody in that city would have a turnout score applied to them uh, from zero to one. So that zero to one score, closer to one, you're more likely to turn out. So what we do, um, in, so let me step back a little bit. So in normal random, di- random um, 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 dialing, um, uh, random sampling. I mean, uh, everybody has an equal probability of being selected for the sample. Um, all the turnout score does is it kind of weights people's probability of being selected for the sample. Um, so those people have, so people with higher scores have a higher probability of being selected for the sample. Now you want to be really careful with that because you don't want to exclude uh, people who have never voted before because like in 2018, you saw this huge wave of turnout where a turnout model was actually probably pretty poor at predicting who was going to turn out um, because it's hatred for Trump, to be honest with you. So turnout was really high in 2018 um, uh, for a midterm. So you just want to be really careful with that. Um, so what we do is we do like a 75% uh, probability proportion of size sample with about 25% registration based sample. So we're calling people off the voter file, um, asking for their name, using this turnout score. And then we have stratifications um, of what the known universe is gonna be. And then there's another thing called adaptive sampling that we do. Okay, and, and when we talk about that, you mentioned, it, it, because this is mind boggling, um, you, 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 you mentioned that um, that there is a, a 9% awareness. But I'm wondering, and I don't know if you got into this, but the people who have heard uh, that are aware of the Mandis, of the people, the 9% that do, how many actually understand them and understand the impacts of them? Oh, I would doubt, I would doubt that there's a lot of understanding of it. Um, it's just like any public policy issue. There's, there's often not a lot of understanding, um, especially with the 9%. They may have just, oh, I've heard a lot about that. Um, and it, it may be, it may be some bias into that where, uh, they may be people that are in favor of it that have heard a lot about it. So once people understood in the conversation, okay, and by the way, uh, you know, it sounds consistent with the, with the, with the rest of the country, but um, where polls have been taken, um, the, the overall opposition uh, for, for the vehicle advance was pretty consistent uh, among the constituents you surveyed around the state, okay? Um, talk, it, it, 
could you kind of repeat that, you know, that number and, you know, and, and, and kind of break it down for us? Yeah, sure. So the overall opposition across all the districts, um, it was uh, two, almost two thirds. I think it was 64, 65%. And then uh, the strongly opposing, it was 54%. Now, if you break it down um, by each of the state Senate districts, and again, there were seven of them, uh, there, was, there wasn't there was one state Senate district where opposition was at or below 59%, meaning that all opposition was above 60%. And even some of the more moderate or, or liberal type of districts, um, opposition was extremely high. So anything above 60%, two-thirds, that's a lot. So to these constituents, this mandate represents, to me, I think, a very sudden change in their way of life, a forced change of behavior, and honestly, a more expensive change. So you talk about, you know, those type of numbers, 60 percent, 59, 60 percent. Okay, is this an issue that could come up uh, and be a factor in the upcoming elections? So... um, Obviously, this is pure speculation uh, as the world events honestly can change elections so quickly. Uh, 2022, you had uh, Roe v. Wade again overturned. That changed a lot of things. Um, hatred for Trump again played into that election. But still, world election, world events change things. I mean, look at the tragedy that's unfolded in Israel and may God bless them. Uh, world, world events often dictate the conversation, whether we as political consultants like to admit it to ourselves or not. Um, so the reality is I have no idea what's going to happen by this time next year. Will the economy be in a recession? Um, will Biden's appro- often approval numbers of the incumbents are pretty predictive of what's going to happen. So Biden, I think, is in the low 40s right now, his approval. Uh, will, uh, will there be another act of aggression by murderous thugs? Um, so our, our reaction to these events and the narrative that the candidates drive both before and after the events happen often determine these electoral events, um, electoral outcomes. But for the benefit of the country, I hope this does become an issue next year. Um, I think it's really important. Um, like I said, I was not really that aware of the mandates um, until I started talking to my client. Um, and it's, especially since the vast majority of global electro- electric vehicle battery and uh, mineral, mineral production is made in China. Another group of what could be right. Parks. This can't allow them to maintain this type of control over our economy. Exactly, you know, and and as a pollster, the fact that you know, I mean, like you said, you're 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 non-biased. You want to you want to provide a, you know a, a fair read, so you know you can get the actual, um, you know, get the actual information out. But you talk about these these. You, you mentioned China, the Congo, okay, the slave labor. Now, the reason that, 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 that and, and we've had uh, the gentleman there uh, who videoed everything, Sid Harth Kara on the program, these are important factors um, when, when, you know, there are so many, you know, in, in regards to education, okay? And like one thing that we always say on the show, uh, uh, Trevor, is we're not, we're, we support electric vehicles, no question about it. I mean, if you want an electric vehicle, please buy one, you know, and, and if the whole world decides to, Go out and buy one, and uh, you know, we, and, and by all means, do it. But, if, I could, if I could afford one, I'd get one. Right, right, I'm right with you, 100. But I'm just, I'm just saying that you know, but put, you know, putting a gun to somebody's head and saying you're buying one, okay? And and it's like, you know, taking one oxygen, uh, you know, a bottle of oxygen down at, 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 at the bottom of the ocean and saying this is what you're going to use to get to the top, even though you're going to run out uh, potentially halfway up, and so. It's a mandate. And so when we talk about that, 
and, and, and when we actually look at the facts, okay? Um, so Governor Yunkin uh, tried to repeal the car ban earlier this year, but his bill died in the Senate by one vote. Do you think the legislators are going to have, uh, have to potentially confront this issue? Um, and, you know, we talked about, is it going to be, uh, you know, a factor in the upcoming elections? But will they, in, in Virginia, um, confront the issue again, uh, you know, as, as a, a talking point in the upcoming election? You know, I, I agree with you with, with the, the craziness going on in the world. Um, it's, it certainly depends on that. But imagine that, you know, things, you know, obviously, God willing, you know, we will be able to overcome what's going on in, in Israel right now. And, you know, so let's just uh, think that, you know, there's not going to be a crazy media story uh, of that level uh, before the elections. Will they confront this level, this, 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 this discussion in Virginia? So I'll tell you, Virginians in these districts, they really approve of the job the governor's done. He was above 50 percent, 54 percent. Again, these aren't these aren't like not competitive. These are very competitive districts, uh, Senate districts. Uh, so and they also these uh, these constituents, when they're made aware of the law, they heavily oppose it. So I think this combination suggests legislators will have to have to face this issue and those that get elected um, will as well. So, again, at their own potential peril this fall, um, if they are on the not on the side of supporting constituent wishes, uh, they could be in trouble. And so having said that, we got a, cu a couple minutes left. So let's spit fire, if you will. Has there been any national polling uh, on, that you've seen on this issue? Somewhat. Um, so Gallup, Gallup, I have a few nationals. Gallup asked Mark in March this year how much adults are considering buying electric vehicles. 4% of those adults own, 12% are seriously considering, 43% might consider and 41% uh, uh, would not buy. Uh, PUS, something similar in July this year, found that half of adults are not likely to consider. I think it was 52%, 53, while 38% are considering buying one. Um, we see this issue of mandates pop up or in the state polls. So Maryland, for instance, uh, there was a poll in June this year, and that's not a Republican hub um, uh, in the country. 60% uh, of voters in that state oppose a plan to mandate electric car sales by 2035. New Jersey, very similar type of state to Maryland. A survey just last month found that 58% 58 of voters oppose that same type of mandate. And even in Delaware, a poll from February this year, 65% oppose a mandate, with 47% strongly opposing. Wondering what our, our, our policymakers are thinking of these numbers, okay? Is it changing positions in regards to if this comes up uh, on, a, on a vote, okay? Our political leaders, as, as our public gets educated, are, are, are they listening? And will they? And, and, and the fact that it could come up, and this could be very impacting, um, you know, because people, feel, you know, feel uh, that there are other other issues that are more important that we should be focusing on, other than EV mandates. You think the policy makers are, are, are listening? Um. So there's there's a couple there's a couple of rules that I like to follow. Uh, if a if a if a legislator gets ten calls about an issue, then they start freaking out. A state legislator, uh, I've done that here in Maryland and Nevada. Um, I've done it in a lot of places where I've irritated legislators. I also don't think that um, I also think that the that legislators listen when they don't get elected. Um, so those people that uh, so if there's political consequences, electoral consequences, I think that's far more valuable than um, than than. Uh, 
than the legislative fights. I mean, you, you have to get the people in there. They're going to vote the right way on this issue. So, we're, you know, we got about 30 seconds left. Uh, would you would you expect similar findings uh, if you pulled uh, other swing states or swing districts um, or is Virginia unique in this issue? Yeah. So Virginia is a swing state. I mean, it's leaning more. I mean, with Trump these last uh, six years, it's definitely leaning more blue. Um, but Delaware is not a swing state. Maryland's not a swing state. In New Jersey, although they had a close election, it's definitely not a swing state, um, at least right now. It, so, you know, I, I think California being the way California is, it's a plus 30 type of state um, where Maryland and New Jersey are a little bit closer and Delaware is a little bit closer. I think that uh, I think even blue states, uh, I think it's an issue in blue states, as that polling just showed um, in those states. So, yes or no, um, the U.S. House took a vote on this issue a few weeks ago. Given what you're seeing in Virginia, do you think this issue could come up in the 2024 elections? Yeah, again, I, I don't know what's going to happen um, next year. And I think world events really drive this stuff. I want this to be an issue, though. So I'm going to I'm going to do my best to make it one. So uh, Dr. Trevor Smith, chief research officer of WPA Intelligence, want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, on, on the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Dot and Krause. We appreciate your insight, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. We'll have more from the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Dot and Krause in just a minute. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best-trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Can you afford a brand new electric car or a charging station for your home? Want to spend your days waiting in line at a public charging station? Well, buckle up. Delaware and New Jersey are planning to ban the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. Most drivers can't afford it, don't need it, and don't want it. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. Don't forget to tune in and go back and re-listen to today's edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. J-Doc, almost out of time here. Um, I am going to put in the description link for those that tune into the show uh, on YouTube or on the Labor and Energy Show website. I am going to put the link for Governor Glenn Youngkin's uh, speech um, back to the state of the Commonwealth, um, which I heard you reference that. So I am going to list that uh, link so people can go back and watch that clip that you were referencing in the show um, as well. I'll give you opportunity to close it up for us. Uh, I, I just think that 
we, you know, this this conversation about electric vehicle mandates impacts our workforce and impacts our public. They're unnecessary. Okay, we should be working together. Um, I feel like a broken record, but you can expect a lot of conversation here because the decisions that are going to impact us tomorrow, and I mean it potentially in a huge way, are are being made today. Okay, and people's voices have to be, uh, you know, like like Mike Butler said, you know, call your legislator. Um, and, 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 and have your voice made on electric vehicle mandates. They impact our jobs, our energy security, so much about our life, our economy, and they're unnecessary. If you want to buy an electric vehicle, let's do it. Okay. It's a, you know, a, a lot of great electric vehicles out there. However, we're making decisions right now that we're going to have a hard time living with down the road. And you must get educated on it because this will impact a large portion of our life, not to mention. Our, our the electric you know our our, our grid our, our energy grid so um so much so much to talk about here joe and and uh we, we want to thank obviously dr uh, trevor smith and and mike butler for being our guests on the show just a, a really informative broadcast we live in a world where we are free so i would strongly suggest that common sense eliminates the word mandate as far as this conversation is being said. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Special thanks to Kateri for producing Behind the Glass. And as J. Doc mentioned, special thanks to Mike Butler and also Dr. Trevor Smith uh, for joining us. Stick around, more to come uh, next week on the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Until then, see you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.